Hi, everybody. This is Liz Baker Wade with another episode of The Birth Nurses. And I'm here with my co host, Shana Brickner, who is an IBCLC certified lactation consultant. Hi, Shana. Hello. Very excited about today. I love that we're doing a lot of these little quick, mm-hmm. little fast tips and tricks. Yeah. I think they're great. I love hearing you talk about breastfeeding. It's one of the most important things. And today we're going to talk about breastfeeding after a cesarean section. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on The Birth Nurses Podcast. Well, you know a lot about this too, because you are actually rounding or being the circulating nurse in the c-section and yeah. i used to plus i did it as well c-section and then you, yeah <laughs> you breastfed after having a c-section some people think having a c-section and breastfeeding are mutually exclusive you mm. can't do both right but i don't know why they think that do you know why i don't know first of all oftentimes a c-section is unplanned Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, I had what I call the thousand-year b- labor, <laughs> about 40 hours, and then a cesarean section for uh, the fact that I did not dilate past seven centimeters. So by the time I got to the operating room, it was thoroughly trashed, mm-hmm. and by the time I got to the recovery room, I was almost blank, just completely, I'm sure I looked like I was separated from my body. Right. Just so tired, I couldn't even speak. Can you even imagine that? <laughs> you not speak? speaking? <laughs> right. Um, but I was really just so consumed with the idea of that I just went through a really long labor and then an operative surgical birth yeah. that the idea of breastfeeding was the last thing on my mind. But I had a lot of really good help mm-hmm. and was very successful and uh, without help and support, I do not know how I would have gotten through that first couple of weeks, at least while I was trying to heal. C-section is no laughing matter. We tend to trivialize surgical birth. This is a huge surgery. It has uh, a lot of uh, implications and can have complications. Yeah. This is not uh, routine appendectomy. This is a big surgery. And I think the best thing out there are people like you who are there to help put it all back together again and mm-hmm. help us get off to the best start in breastfeeding. Let's hear some tips. Yeah. Well, oftentimes I work with new moms who have had a C-section and they are banking on breastfeeding going well because they're like, if I didn't get that vaginal birth, I at least want to have a successful breastfeeding Oh, my gosh. I felt the same. Totally. I completely remember saying that. And I right want there. to yeah. support them in that. Yeah. But there are some things you can do even before a lactation consultant would see you in your home mm-hmm. um, at the hospital that yeah. will help you kickstart this smooth breastfeeding journey. So my first tip 
is to ask for immediate skin to skin. So oftentimes in a C-section, and Liz, you can add in anything I forget, um, the routine way of having your baby removed from your body um, and then the baby is brought to the warmer Mm -hmm. by the respiratory therapist or a nurse and then they're doing their initial assessment and drawing off the baby and doing the weight and doing the measurements and then they'll wrap up the baby and bring baby to you to hold while you're still getting surgery Mm -hmm. or some places don't even do that part and baby is just kind of whisked off to the recovery room to wait with the dad while you're getting finished up in your surgery but kind of a new trend i guess which would be i hope not just a trend but become more common practice and standard of care is to do immediate skin to skin so that means you're opened up during the surgery they pull baby out and then the respiratory therapist brings baby directly to you naked there's no blanket um, of wrapping the baby around but then baby is placed on your chest and a blanket or your gown is covering the baby to keep him or her warm So absolutely. In fact, in most area hospitals here in Los Angeles, and really from what I've discussed with friends who are labor and delivery nurses in many other states, immediate skin to skin is now a standard of care. In fact, in our own uh, electronic medical record keeping, there is a place in the record for was there skin to skin? When was it initiated? When did it stop? And why not? Mm -hmm. So we know that the literature is all there for um, better regulation of body temperature, respiration, heart rate, and bonding and smelling of that breast milk. So we are very, very motivated to do immediate skin to skin. But in the cesarean birth, as you know, sometimes if it's been a prolonged labor, if there's been a complication, if the mother is hypertensive and on those medications, uh, if she has a fever, the baby really does need to do what we call a pit stop. Mm, and yeah. a pit stop is, I want to do skin to skin, but I really need to bring this baby to the warmer to make sure I have a good APGAR score. I have good sure. warmth drawing stimulation. I have a good heart rate and respirations. Baby is turning pink, maintaining that, dry the baby off, and then go right to mom. Mm-hmm. So sometimes from abdomen right to mom. And sometimes a quick pick stop, especially if it's a small baby. We have Mm. to make sure that the baby meets criteria for weight. Yeah, yeah. Good point. But there's no harm in asking. No. And then your OBGYN doing the surgery can be communicating that with you. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, your baby is needing to go to the warmer for this quick quick pit stop. But then right after that, baby will be able to go to you or we'll see how it goes. Talk to your labor nurse. Let her explain everything to you. And there's usually a baby nurse also additionally in the room Mm -hmm. because baby nurses um, are there as a one-to-one for a newborn. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And this is how it would be in a vaginal delivery as Mm -hmm. well. You cut that immediate skin to skin unless there's something going on with baby and baby needs to take that pit stop in the warmer for suctioning or, um, yeah, assessing baby's response to transitioning to the outside world. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> here you are, baby. Uh, my second tip is to initiate breastfeeding within an hour of delivery. 
So this is challenging because if you think about the length of time that surgery takes, um, it could greatly impact when you initiate breastfeeding. So um, there was actually a study and many research studies showing that women who initiate breastfeeding within one hour of delivery can prolong the length of time that you breastfeed overall and also help to increase your milk supply and have many improvements and benefits for baby as well. So, um, again, as within an hour of delivery is optimal, that's like goals, but, um, as close to an hour as possible is great too. So if it's an hour, 20, an hour and a half, even two hours, um, that's better than nothing. Absolutely. Even if there was a crazy emergency and you didn't even get to initiate until six hours or even 12 hours after delivery that would be extreme but something is better than nothing and this kind of leads into my next tip tip number three that if for some reason you're separated from your baby and direct breastfeeding is not possible you can massage your breasts and hand express within an hour of delivery or as close to an hour as possible um, to kickstart your breastfeeding hormones and your milk supply. So if you're having a C-section and it's your primary C-section, First they time. may go faster. Mm-hmm. It may go faster than if you're on your second or third. Sure. We know that the body makes adhesions and scar tissue and the second C-section may take longer. A third C-section could take an hour yeah. just to get to your uterus. Right. So if we're in the recovery room and or we have just had surgery and the baby is on our skin mm-hmm. and it's been on the skin but is sleepy and doesn't want to breastfeed can we hand express while the baby is just laying on our bodies i mean yeah right that so would be amazing start. totally maybe you need an extra set of hands to yeah. help you so this is why having your partner present for a prenatal breastfeeding class oh yes is so helpful because if there's anyone comfortable touching your breasts and you're comfortable with them touching <laughs> your breasts, yourself it's probably your partner right so um teaching them how to hand express you know having a lactation consultant teach them how to do that or the nurse with you in the hospital and so we can initiate in the recovery room right after surgery and get that going yeah in the recovery room is preferable i'm elizabeth baker wade i am a labor and delivery nurse registered nurse birth educator and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high-risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high risk pregnancies? Because there's going to be more interventions often in the high risk mom. 
and getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is going to bring them up and getting prepared for what's going to happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety. And a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. It's true. We need to help them out on their way. Making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery. I think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just had an appointment with my LB and I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm at birthandbeyond.net. If your baby is in the NICU, so maybe you did get that skin to skin and then they're like, you know what? Your baby is having trouble transitioning, having trouble breathing. We need to do, you know, some observation in the NICU. So then you got that skin to skin time, but then baby is brought to the NICU. You can't directly breastfeed your baby. We need you to hand express your colostrum. Well, how often are we supposed to do that? And when? Yeah. Do we know what to do with that colostrum? Yes. So you should hand express every two to three hours. Around the clock? Ju- around the clock, just like if your baby was with you. That's Those are the times that your baby would probably be showing hunger cues. Every two to three hours and for about 10 to 15 minutes, give each breast an opportunity to get massaged and to hand express. And I'll try to explain um, over audio how to hand express. You make your hand like a C, and then you cup your breast, and you're going to do this pattern. You're going to press your breast back towards your chest wall. You're going to compress. You squeeze your hands together, and then you release. And you kind of speed up this this pattern, this uh, motion, so it's smooth and fast. Rhythmic. And rhythmic, and you can even bring in your other hand with the finger and press right above your areola or on your areola while you're compressing, and you'll see some drops of colostrum just come on out. You just collect it in a little cup or in a bottle? Get a little medicine cup from your nurse, and it's it's going to look like not very much. It's mm-hmm. going to be yellow and thick and, um, and maybe gold. just a few drops. <laughs> right. But then the nurse can help you draw it up in a syringe and label it. And then that can be brought to the NICU for your baby to have some colostrum that was straight from your breasts. And that is great to line your baby's gut for all those antimicrobial factors, immune factors, enzymes, all the things that are in breast milk, mature breast milk, but it's just packed in this little, uh, this little package of colostrum. We have these little bullets in uh, little plastic containers about the size of a bullet, and uh, we collect the breast milk in there, and we label it, and we hand carry it to the NICU. Amazing. And that breast milk, that colostrum, has the baby's 
identification on it mm-hmm. and the mother's mm-hmm. because the NICU is happy to take any drop of breast milk that they can get. Yeah. Because yeah. we can, how do we feed a baby in the NICU? Mm-hmm. It could be syringe feeding. It could be finger feeding. So either um, the nurse or if baby is stable enough where the other parent can do it, mm-hmm. then um, they would basically just kind of dip their finger mm-hmm. in the colostrum and rub it in the baby's mouth or let baby kind of lick it off the finger or suck it through the syringe. This actually... Um, I'm going to add a bonus tip. This is a little surprise Mm, for you, Liz. Um, Tip number four would be prenatally, you can express colostrum. I just had a patient who brought a bunch of colostrum (gasps) to labor and delivery. I don't think that's HIPAA violating because lots of people do. I am so happy to hear that. That is kind of brand new. She said she was making a lot of breast milk and she wanted to try to bring labor on. Mm-hmm. Check this out with your obstetrician. Definitely. We don't want to hyperstimulate your uterus. Right. And um, she brought quite a bit. Yeah. I was like, man. So I'll, great. I'll explain how to do it. So definitely after like 36, 37 weeks, and if it's cleared by your OB, then you can start doing this. If you're not on a pelvic rest for any reason, you're not trying to avoid. Um, it's not even preterm labor if you're 37 weeks, but if you're trying to avoid um, labor coming too early, then maybe you shouldn't do this. But um, for most low-risk pregnant women, this is safe to do. So around 36, 37 weeks, you get some syringes from either the Haka US website. And what is Haka? So this is a brand of breastfeeding products, um, breast milk collection products, um, H-A-A-K-A-A, and they have syringes for colostrum collection. Oh, sweet. And so it has a cap on it, and the syringes are really squeezable and um, squishy. Mm-hmm. You could also, you know, kind of do the the DIY route and order some syringes from Amazon that have caps. Make mm-hmm. sure it has a cap that are probably like two to three mil size. Right. So not large. They're not huge. They're very skinny. We're not talking high volume here, folks. Right. Very this small is volume. The first few days. Yes. <laughs> and then you would do exactly how I explained doing hand expression. Mm-hmm. You'd make that C. You'd press, compress, release. And you would do that like once to two times a day, mm-hmm. every day, up until you go into labor. And every time you express, if there's any amount of drops coming out onto your nipple, you can use that little syringe and kind of suck, it, suck up. it up. Or if you had a little cup nearby or a bottle, you can express it into the bottle and then suck it up with the syringe. Make sure you label it. Put it in the freezer. With a date. With the date, yes. <laughs> Label it with the date and, um, you know, who's your name would be nice. And then when you go into labor, so this might be the tricky part, remember to get all of your colostrum from the freezer at home and bring it to the hospital. And then once you get to the hospital, you would tell your nurse, hey, I expressed some colostrum. Can you put it in your freezer? And they'll put it in the freezer with your hospital label on it and then after you deliver your baby make sure to bring it with you to the postpartum unit if your baby needs extra colostrum or even went to the NICU or you had an unplanned c-section get that colostrum we thaw it out by just 
putting the syringe in like a warm a cup mm-hmm. of warm water it defrosts like Very in two minutes yeah. yeah and then you can syringe feed your baby the colostrum if you're unable to directly breastfeed or maybe you are able to directly breastfeed but you need a little break because because your nipples hurt. your nipples hurt um we'll have to save that for another episode oh, let's nipple pain <laughs> but um yeah i I think this is, I wish I had done this, Um, but it's kind of a nice safeguard if you're worried about breastfeeding, if you're worried that you'll have enough, um, then this is a nice way to have this extra little stash. And another benefit is it gets you comfortable handling your breasts. Yeah. I mean, there is an issue sometimes with women just not comfortable hand expressing. Yeah. And I even do it sometimes in a vaginal birth. Yes. I start talking about it uh-huh. right off the bat. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of lactation educators in labor and delivery at my hospital who are also labor and delivery nurses. And I said, I, did you talk to her about hand expression? Because mm-hmm. sometimes the labor and delivery nurses do the baby nurse role. Right. So we'll just, won't be a labor nurse that day, but I'll go do babies. You're, yeah, you're and the baby so world. And so we just start having that conversation early on. Yeah. But after C-section, your abdomen is often sore. We have to change it up, try some different positions so the baby's not always laying right across your abdomen. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it can be uncomfortable. Yeah, that was going to be my next tip. Maybe you want to try some other positions after having a C-section um, to breastfeed your baby. So having baby, just like you said, laying across your abdomen in the cross cradle position or cradle position might too much put too much pressure mm-hmm. on your new incision, your fresh incision. So doing football position can be really nice and really helpful to limit that pressure on your abdominal incision. Um, and I, I mean, I never got so into football position it wasn't my favorite but the nice thing about it is when you're in football position you're you can look directly at your baby's face which is so cute yeah and it's so so sweet so that is helping you know promote that bonding release oxytocin and if you didn't have the you know the vaginal delivery that you maybe had hoped for um you can still have a successful breastfeeding journey. So fantastic. Yeah, this was a, a short episode. Yeah. As soon as possible. Skin to skin in the recovery room. Let's see what Initiate else. Initiate breastfeeding. Baby is tired, you can start hand expression in recovery room yeah. and start breastfeeding in the recovery room, yeah. even with surgical birth. So it is not mutually exclusive. That's right. We do it all the time. Yeah. I think we have really, really good skin-to-skin in the operating room. I know a lot of hospitals in L.A. do. It's the yeah. best thing ever. Thank you so much. I wanted to say a word to nurses who are listening to this episode that don't be afraid to just get on in there. Yeah. For sure, ask. Yeah. Ask permission. May I touch your breasts? May I help you hand express? Absolutely. But if the patient is so sleepy from the anesthesia She's maybe sore because she went through labor beforehand and now she has to recover from a C-section as well. She's not thinking about hand expressing. She's not thinking about, she's tired. She's thinking about the recovery. How am I going to do this? How am I going to breastfeed at home Mm -hmm. and take care of a newborn with surgical 
transition. Having support, just like Liz said, having that support from the nurses, from a partner to just get on in there and massage breasts, your breasts for you, Mm -hmm. um, can be just a boost. And I hear so many amazing stories of women who've had pretty intense birth trauma too. Maybe they went to the ICU and they weren't able to breastfeed because of their health. This is a really big area that's Mm -hmm. problematic. We send a patient to the ICU after a traumatic birth and the nurses up there are so brilliant in Mm -hmm. taking care of our patient who may have lost a lot of blood. Um, But we need to remember to send labor and delivery nurses, nursery nurses and lactation consultants to the ICU. Yes. And um, talk to the patient if able to start this process. I completely agree. And a little pet peeve I have is when people will just say, oh, let me get you a pump. Like, oh, you want to breastfeed? Let me get you a pump. And then the patient is like, I don't know how to pump. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do anything. I don't know how to set it up. I don't know how often I should be pumping. And then they put the pump on finally and nothing comes out because colostrum is thick and your hands can do a better job of expressing that breast milk drawing it out than a pump can the pump can be good for the stimulation maybe your hands are getting tired Mm -hmm. and you just need the pump to do get it going to get it going do the stimulation part for you but to actually remove the colostrum your hands do a much better job so that's why you know having a partner who's invested in your breastfeeding journey having a nurse who wants to help out and go the extra mile is so amazing and i yeah i i hear stories all the time of women remembering their birth story maybe some birth trauma Mm. and they're like you know this one nurse she hand expressed my breasts for me and brought my colostrum to the NICU for my baby or to the postpartum unit Mm. where my husband was with my baby and even though i couldn't directly breastfeed once i was out of the icu i was able to breastfeed because that nurse helped so um yeah just some encouragement to the nurses there nurses listening here that you can be an amazing support person for your patients in breastfeeding even though maybe you don't think oh i don't know anything about breastfeeding or i don't and you I know just, I, I never I breastfed just had myself birth. yeah it's like I, you can do it yeah or you're busy with charting or whatever Call in one of your coworkers to be your, you know, another set of hands to help out. Yeah. Thank you, Shana. Shana Brickner, IBCLC certified lactation consultant. Shana can be found at Preparented Mm -hmm. on Instagram. That's right. Yahoo. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.